Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I've been trying to make my own bath oil. Has it cost you more money than to get the I oil? Don't, I don't, don't want to talk, talk about, about it. that. It's Homo Sapiens. My name's William Young. My name's Christopher Sweeney. He's got a chunk of chocolate in his mouth. This is one of our homesick episodes. That's because we've been away in the States and then we like to come back and just have a little taste of Britain again. And our first taste of Britain... Is the toast of Britain. Oh, God, fuck, that's good. Claire Balding and Alice Arnold. That's really good. Oh, thanks. Can I tell you what I've been doing this week? Please. Taking a lot of dead wood from various parks around London. Is that a metaphorical? Well, I worry that I look a little bit like a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sort of lugging out these big, in my French beret, yeah. I'm lugging out these enormous black bag branches. Really? Why? And then shoving them in the back of the car. And I've got a saw with me. And if they're too big, I saw them in half. We're still talking about logs. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and well, is this what? an art project? No, but what's going to happen to them? They're just going to lie there in the park. So I take them home and I use them for my fire. Um, I cut them up and then I let it dry inside and then I I cook it, cook it, burn it on my fire. How long do you let it dry inside for? Oh, I dry it around the fire with the previous wood that's dried out. So I've got a whole system going on. Oh, well, you stack it up next to it so the heat of the fire heats it. Yeah. Good for the soul, that. It's just great. How many hours a week are you dedicating to this? Um, more than I am to my music. <laughs> <laughs> and what's getting better results? Well, the music, actually. <laughs> I love, no, see, this is like, this is the thing. I have always loved soaring up wood and chopping up wood because it was one of the things that my dad taught me. It's like, Aww. that's all we did. That's all we did. So we went out, we picked, cleared up wood, went to the woods, brought it back. We spent all the time outside. Really? Because my dad said to me the other day, oh, I don't think that I was there enough for you. And I was like... Well, why don't we go shopping? Yes, I was like, just give us your card. Um, and I said, but you were there at the weekends and we used to have brilliant times. Hmm. Living in the countryside, we were just outside, bonfires. I mean, they did lock the doors. We weren't actually allowed back in until 7pm. No. No, they didn't do that. Oh, my friend's dad, his mum used to put him and his sister on the circle line oh, yes. at eight in the morning with a packed lunch and make them go round and round the circle line in London and then pick them up at the end of the day. It's quite a long time to be on the circle line. Did you used to go off on your own for a long time as a young kid? We used to go off into the woods, but then I always had Rupert because I'm a twin. Mm. So we'd go off together. Nice. Just like make swings and things like that. 
And then occasionally one would get hurt and then they'd be screaming and running back to the house. (laughs) Yeah. And it's kind of weird. And also, I'm glad we're talking about this. Mm. So two doors up, I love my neighbours. They're very cool. You have to say that, don't you? Well, no, luckily I do. They've got an old, like, Bakelite telephone. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Their kids are adorable. And so I said hello to the, the boy. I can't remember his name. But he was with the nanny or the grandmother or something. I think it's the grandmother. And she looked at me a bit weirdly. <laughs> Nanny's weird. not going to be pleased. She looked at me a bit weirdly. And then I felt weird. I was like, oh, God, am I... You know, you feel weird. I feel weird, like, smiling at a kid nowadays. And I uh, absolutely adore kids. Mm-hmm. I would be much happier just literally just playing with kids the whole time. Mm-hmm. So... Bit of red tape, right? I there. even feel weird saying that. <laughs> I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? I do. Because you overthink it and you think, oh my God, this looks weird and now I feel weird. But All I want to do is just wave at my neighbour's kid. And when you say granny or nanny, how old? She's like at granny age. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> We've nanny been... or granny sounds like a really good game show though. Yeah, nanny or <laughs> granny. A Saturday night game show on ITV. Can you give me a newsy jingle? Welcome to Homo Sapiens News Desk, where William LGBT writes... Breaking news, man who worked as top conversion therapist comes out as gay. Have you read about this? Oh, I've heard about it. Is it that awful man in America? I mean, there's probably quite a few of them. David Matheson, he was a prominent gay conversion therapy advocate, has come out as gay after spending what he said were decades of his life entrenched in homophobia. Matheson was a practitioner of the practice also known as ex-gay therapy or reparative therapy, which promotes the false idea that being gay is something that should and can be cured in inverted commas. I'm reading this from the Guardian website. It makes me feel sick. So I had emailed actually a gay conversion place, but they weren't called gay conversion, they were called something else. And I must try and remember the name, but it was by a chap who's now passed away but his son runs it. Oh, didn't have any room, did they? <laughs> no, no one's. No one. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to make that too. Yeah, you can. Uh, but no one's. Uh, no one's replied. Did they have a pool? No, no. Oh. I think you just went and you just went and talked to. Well, evidently the son now. Mm. Um, it's all sorts of crazy. Let's be honest. Well, there's a lot of them, aren't there? Crazy, Thousands crazy, crazy. Thousands of people go to them every year. Our friend Troy Sivan told us, didn't Yes, he? yes, yes, our mate. Well, anyway, interesting news, I thought. He should apologise as I well. He's he done 20 years of trying to convert these people. I know, well, it'd be interesting to see what the next steps in that story are. I've had my mother staying this week. And how is that? It was great. I love it. Do you put her on the circle line at 8am and then wait? You <laughs> can say put her on the sofa. <laughs> Mum, you're on the sofa. I don't want to hear another word about it, all right? <laughs> what no. does she do when she's here? So she walked the dog, and she also was here with the plumber when the boiler thing happened, which was very helpful. But I love hanging out with my mum. She's just a thoroughly pleasant person to be around. Featured on this podcast was, I was just going to say. Wasn't she? Yeah. We were in Great Marlborough Street. That's what, yeah, we used to be be mobile for the Homo Sapiens Extra. I think, uh, should we get Anne back on the show again? You know what I think we should do? Mm. Do you remember when we got my agent on the phone? Oh, yeah, yeah. We need to get some more people on the phone. Yes, that was fun. You know. My mum would be so disinterested in being on it. I think, I think. I think your mum would be as well. I couldn't care less. No. My dad would be good value. He would be good. I could get him on. <laughs> 
but he won't just tell him I won't tell him I'll put him on speaker and then I'll just start singing Les Mis and he will just start singing Les Mis really you know what he's been singing at the moment what Alicia Dixon the boy does nothing the boy does nothing (laughs) it's an earworm that song I catch him wandering around the kitchen in his sort of pyjama nighty. Does he wash up? No, we never wash up. <laughs> I love this song, darling. I love this song. Who did it? Alicia Dixon. Well, I don't know who she is, but I love it. I love it. He does something. The girl does everything. Right? And he gets the lyrics oh, wrong as I well. Love do you know what I mean? Does he never know he goes shopping? <laughs> down the post There's office. few things as enjoyable to watch as someone singing the wrong lyrics with all their heart you know what i mean people do that to me sometimes and it's so funny what about your song yeah i had a song called losing myself and i went it's a little bit like the dog tanyan's theme from musketeers maybe we should cut this out for one and one for all actually that's how she sang it oh right so she went I keep on losing myself like that. and in my head I was like that's not my, that's not the song that's not yeah. the song she was like I love that song I love this song so much and she kept really? on singing it wrong the Dog Tanyan theme tune they were great cartoons all those my first experience of I was obsessed with Dog Tanyan and Juliet and her big pink dress do you remember the big pink dress yes I think I had crushes on both of them yes I did oh sorry that's my chicken roasting give me one um, are you roasting a chicken for your husband no, I'm roasting a chicken. Chris has gone to the cooker. He's you're doing some sort of yoga, some sort of yoga move to look into the cooker. Yes, um, I'm roasting a chicken because He's done I it have again. become obsessed with making ramen. What? Chicken ramen, ramen soup, ramen soup. So I had to set a little timer, which I'm wondering if it, why it hasn't gone off. We've got 11 minutes left. So then, what do you do once it's cooked? Well. Um, to a cooking show. We could. I see off spin. I see off spin. Chris, do you know what I like best? Mm. Twitter. Really? Yes. That will surprise <laughs> you, won't it? That absolutely made me fell off my chair. Don't I'm ask honest. me my Twitter handle because I don't know it. It's is it handle? Is it handle? Is that the ha- that's the handle, isn't it? I know. Handle. Yeah. I wonder if handle is still the saying. Um, what have people been saying on Twitter? Well. We were looking ahead as it becomes spring because I bought some daffodils this week, William. My first bunch of daffodils. The first one is beginning to flower. And I thought, what else are we looking forward to for the rest of this year? So we thought we'd ask you, dear listeners, what you all think. John McKellar says, at Madonna, finally dropping the new album and performing at Eurovision. I assume it's her, not him. Madonna is. I think Madonna is, yeah. Good shout. Justin Timberlake did it, didn't he? Did he? I didn't know that. Well, because it's the biggest audience on television in the world or something. My friend slept with Justin Timberlake. <gasps> Speak on. Said, said he had a very good bottom. That's all I shall share on the subject. Sean Lloyd says, Myself and my husband are adopting this year and we're both looking forward to seeing our kind of family being represented on CBeebies with two dads being read by Will on the 9th of Feb. Mere culpa. If that ain't a plug, what is, huh? Mere culpa. Sophie Humphreys. Funny you should mention it, but it's you reading the bedtime story I illustrated on CBeebies next Saturday. She, now she's getting a plug. Sophie Humphreys, was she the... She was the I didn't mention the illustrator. Sorry, Sophie, because uh, we didn't have time. But if you were the person that illustrated... Oh, no, you said you didn't want to mention her. If you were the person who... <laughs> <laughs> you said, I'm not mentioning any bloody the, illustrators. Uh, 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 
And then Fee has replied, also looking forward to this, have ordered the book to add to our school library. If you're ever able to do a localish LS15 school visit and a chat about illustration, we would welcome you wow. with open arms. Sophie's getting booked. Then she says, oh, at Will Young, you're also totally welcome. Afterthought. Chopped liver over here. <coughs> we should have got a percentage for that book, shouldn't we? It's going to fly off the shelves now. Well, let's write one. Can't take long. <coughs> Just call it, yeah, gay spiders. <laughs> Gay spiders built a web. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll rustle up a few drawings. Lee says, after 13 years as cabin crew, I'm hanging up my wings and going back to university in September to study as a mental health nurse. You read my review on Homo sapiens extra last year when I was in the middle of a really low place. Things got better. How kind. That'll be your dulcet tones. Mm. Um, oh, mine, yes. Thank you. Any other tweets of what people are looking forward to for William 2019? Has always many tweets. Sober Spice Craig says travelling to India in the summer to support and train teachers working with limited resources and the Spice Girls reunion. <laughs> Been to India, William? No, really want to go to India. What bit would you go to? Bombay. Bombay? Mumbai. That's a, that's a combination <laughs> of Bombay and Mumbai. I wasn't very good just, at geography. Just two to Bombay, please. <laughs> If that's all right. <laughs> oh, oh, chicken. Chicken, chicken ramen. One moment. I'm just going to get the chicken out of the oven. So on the show this week, well, that cloud of steam comes out from the oven, um, oh, is, is Claire Balding and Alice Arnold. Can I interject with a small tip I want to share with you? Did you know that... Um, is it about chicken? <laughs> yeah, the best way to roast a chicken <laughs> is to roast it upside down with the breast facing down so all the juices flow into the breast instead of out of the chicken in a way oh right so you don't have to baste it the whole time no so we've got screw a... claire balding and alice arnold let's make this a cooking show what else what have you got in with the little chook we've got our cookery show and our gay books what as nothing i just had to cook the chicken because i'm trying to make a ramen and then what do you do take all the meat out yeah i'll just take all the meat off it anyway back to claire and alice we met up with them They've both been on our radar for a while now. Oh, yes, yes. Alice read the shipping forecast, which is one of my favourite things. And I had at my wedding, we played the shipping for the song that comes at the end of the shipping forecast as our last song. Did you? Because when me and William first met, we would always stay up late talking, and then you'd hear sailing away or whatever it's called after the shipping forecast. That's really sweet. Yeah, really I think nice. I was throwing up in the loo then. What I loved about talking to both of them is they both have very different experiences of growing up as gay. And they clearly work brilliantly as a couple. I don't know. It was just very interesting to hear their different takes and and on on what it is to be gay and their different takes on the world. Claire really wasn't cool with being gay growing up. Alice didn't seem to care from the word go. Alice was part of... She talks a lot about the film Pride. She was part of that group of people who were young LGBT activists. She tells amazing stories about that time. And then Claire talks about how Alice actually really helped her come to terms with being a gay woman. And then has just got so many fascinating things to say about homosexuality in sport. Equal pay. Equal pay. In the workplace. Um, And she is really outspoken. She definitely speaks her mind. I don't know, they're both very forthright in different ways. Yes. And And I... Didn't expect that, didn't know either of them, and I hope people are kind of pleasantly surprised by what they say. It's a really great interview. I think it is, and also... 
bloody that's chicken. chicken. Here's the interview. Chris is now going to baste it. Jesus, it's going to be disgusting. <laughs> I had a girl come up to me at school the other day, actually, and say she'd just come out. And, um, you know, it was posh girls boarding school. And she said, and you've really helped, because obviously I'm there. You know, <laughs> I'm their pin-up in the posh girls boarding school. Because <laughs> daddy thinks you're wonderful. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and mummy thinks you're all right, too. Um, <laughs> so I gave her a hug and I said, well done, you. That's I said, great. now just give yourself permission to be happy. Oh, and, you, you know, of course, she's any young, she'll go through heartache and trauma. Mm. Yeah. But that won't be because she's gay. It'll be because she falls in love with the wrong people. But I didn't have mm. anyone like that then no when I was young was it hard for both of you what were your experiences and I ask because people really love to hear about that Alice has got brilliant her life's brilliant well I'm, I think you've had the best, the best you, yes I think you've given so me, I'm a bit yeah. older than everyone else sitting around this table but I came out when I was at university so it would be early 1980s so AIDS was a, a huge mm. issue then just just getting the news over from America of what was going on. But I was at Sussex, and it was kind of... Sussex was a very, very cool place to be, very left-wing and very radical, and it was rather cool to be gay at Sussex. Anyway, I fell in love, as you mm. do, with a woman, and uh, sort of came home and basically didn't talk... My, my parents told me, or my mother told me, she thought I was... She said, I think, you know, you're having a relationship with... And I said, well, yeah, you're, you're right... How did she I know? Was, how did she know? Yeah. Because she could read me like a book. She was my mother. She knew every emotion I ever felt, I think. But she was immensely proud. She adored Claire, absolutely adored her. That's really um, cool, though, because uh, she saw it and spoke to you. That's yeah, amazing. she did. So it wasn't... It was... It was. I mean, I, I never really felt much like I was in the closet. No, all, she had a cabaret really. act. So, oh, yeah, with, her, a with her girlfriend. With, who, yeah. funny enough, was called Claire as well. Yeah. So they were a cabaret oh, act. Claire Summerskill. Yeah. Who was, oh, Claire ben, Summerskill ben is Summerskill. Ben's twin. Yeah, twin. And yeah. we did a cabaret act called Alice and Claire. And we used to, it was, it was the first, I'm going to say this, I think it was the first lesbian cabaret act. And it was uh, amongst the gay scene, it was quite a big, Deal. We did Pride, and I th- one year, and I thought, "Wow, you know, Ian McKellen must have walked on the stage." And it wasn't; it was us. And where? No. Where was wow. it? Where it was when you? it was at the Oval. When Pride was at the Kennington Oval. That's how long ago it was. Oh, I wanted to ask, like, so you, what? Yeah, what, what was, year? What was Pride like then, and what was it like? Oh, what it was, was like the gay Chris, scene it like? It was hugely then. exciting. And I th- have you seen the film Pride? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that was my era. Which is what I found that film incredibly emotional. Mm. And she uh, kept saying, I was there. I, I was there. there. I was. Like, that year when the really? miners that came. Was, with the oh, yeah. And that was my, was there. That was yeah. my time. That was my time. And I remember, and you look at all the characters in that film and you see how they're dressed quite extremely. And I think their behaviour is, is sort of, it's, it's, well out, it's well out there. And I think that's because in those days you kind of had to be. Because mm-hmm. nowadays you could walk into the Stonewall dinner and you would not know that was an LGBT <laughs> dinner. You wouldn't. You, you'd see a lot of men uh, dress very well and a lot of women dress very well and I don't think you'd have a clue what sort of a dinner. If you went to that dinner, I don't know, I hope this isn't wrong to say this, 30 years ago, you would have known what <laughs> you know, part of from that there'd be only two women there. Mm. Yeah, I was but it, it was a very, very different set up and being gay was a, a you know gay pride 
it really felt like a secret society. You know, there was no such thing as equal rights and gay marriage and none of those things even been thought about. Mm -hmm. And people were beaten up, Will, you know, they and still are. But I think more were. It was a it was much more a taboo. Therefore, you felt like a secret society. Therefore, kind of a load of fun. Yeah. Because, because... of this secrecy about it and mm. that you were this special gang of rather few people that all knew each other was gay and that day of the year you all came out and and yeah. you know it was it was properly exciting then? yes that was and the one it... day of the year you kind of could be and did it you felt safe? great on gay pride yeah yeah you felt you like you safe? were the majority for one day it right. felt amazing to be surrounded by all those other gay people it felt absolutely brilliant because for women you know there was a club that was on the first monday of every leap year you know basically yeah. <laughs> that opened and another one every third tuesday you know what it, it, there were so few places for mm. particularly for women to go that, I mean, there was the Angel there was the Angel Pub in Islington. That was mixed, but otherwise, nearly everything was really male orientated. And um, well, probably I don't know because don't no, go but... out anymore at, at all ever. Ever, it's amazing out. I'm out now no, in this hotel this is room. The, you know, seriously, it's it's, it's midnight. It's, it's an but, evening, yeah, and we're out. <laughs> we actually had to have something to eat before we came here mm. because we thought otherwise we'd never. Slept. We do go to parties. We go to other people's dinner parties. Yeah, because we, we, we don't give dinner parties. We don't really cook because. But we don't. Mm. What we don't do is go out. To well, I don't, pub. and certainly not and on the scene, like not on the gay scene. Absolutely not. But, uh, but it was it, very. It was. It was felt it pretty political? special then. Yeah, it Did was it political, political, hugely political. And there was a very mm. still is. You never felt. You never felt persecuted. Did you? No. No. I never felt persecuted. I always thought it was a rather brilliant thing, actually, being in that gay club. I loved it, and still do. Do you think that's because of how you dealt with it? So that you were always proud. Outside of Pride as well? I think I was very lucky to have a family that loved me and uh, and completely accepted and me because they love me. Mm. And not everyone is that fortunate. And I think if you've got that base behind you, you kind of feel that you can conquer the world. Mm. And yes. for lots of people, they don't have that. So mm. that was lucky, lucky for me. Mm. How was Incredible. it? Incredible. But you can see how that made a difference to me. Yeah. You know, when we met 16 years ago, I think I still carried a little, certainly a backpack of shame, mm. or probably a little bum bag, actually. <laughs> one on the front. <laughs> Fanny pack. Fanny pack. Fanny pack of shame. Yeah. And I had been in a relationship before which was very much secret. Secret from my parents. I mean, we lived together, so it wasn't secret from each other, but um, <laughs> or indeed friends who knew me or anything. But very much kept quiet from my parents or indeed the any public world. And then when I met Alice, that, that, that all goes out the window because of exactly what you've heard there. You don't mm. have... It almost, like, what are you on about? What do you mean you feel mm. that this... No, well, you can't be with me if you want this to be secret because it won't be, mm. you know. You walk tall and you walk proud and you walk with me and that's fine. And so... And I still find, and there are things I struggle with. I don't like coming out of things and photographers being there. I really am bad at that, and we've talked about it, and actually now I will get better at it, but I don't like us being targeted because we're together in a way that I think wouldn't happen. Well, Gabby and Kenny Logan actually probably would happen, but Hazel and Fid, it probably wouldn't. No, we do think there are times when there's too much interest on us as a couple that is only because we're gay, and that's that gets tiring yeah. because, or tedious really, because Claire's asked about it 
incessantly, and you just think, not that you know, just, what, just it's not relevant. It's not to, relevant. But, now to also, the, but having said all of that, it's relevant to this podcast. Yeah, of course, it's, it's not relevant. And we would yes. choose to do so the things the we right want con- to do yeah. in the yeah. right context, and it's a much more detailed conversation. But it's not, you know, you're not feeling that it's a tabloid mm. journalist wanting to get a question in there about, you know, in yeah, that's more still... about your difficult relationship. Yes. And also, how much your parents hated you. Often, um, you know? lover, isn't it? Like, you don't have a partner or a wife or a husband, yes. you have a lover. And in tabloid things, yes, you know, in tabloid thing. things, yeah. as if it's somehow. It's like, no, yeah, it's temporary. Exactly. So, so we're pretty c- good at talking about, you know, my wife or my partner. Actually, I don't, I don't mind using either. We've always used partner mm. more than wife. But you'd think the press would get bored of it by now because totally. we've been married for 12 years. 12 years. We just had our anniversary and we've been together for 16. You'd yeah. think they'd have kind of got the hang of it now. From you being on stage in the 1980s to you both doing your jobs now, people really look up to that. And I think some of those that interest is is really genuine because it's like gosh yeah. you've got hope and there know, are time hey. and there are actually there are ways in which even if you're saying the same thing again you make sure you say it because they've got to write it down or they've got mm. to record it or they've got to and actually you almost can't say it often enough mm. yeah and you'll always get somebody who says oh I, you know I was watching you doing the rugby league with my dad and and he said to me, she's one of yours, isn't she? <laughs> and I said, yes, and it was all all right. You know, and you yes. think, oh, good, that, at least that yes. somehow, somewhere. You know, you're not put on earth to help everybody else, frankly. We're not, you know, we're altruistic to a point, but we, you know, we, yes. don't, we don't no. have, you know, that kind of where... complex that we're here to save the world, we're not. <laughs> no, but that's where the real connection happens, I think. And I think, for, I love the fact that I think for you two, there's been a bit of, subversiveness you know into into the areas i mean i i you know i slightly infiltrated tv because i entered a talent show i was posh i'm very uncool i had a politics degree and i was gay it's like no one would no one would sign me ever you know but i kind of like got in there and then sort of got there through subversiveness and you know i think that's what's so great about you two is that you know you're on radio four and you uh, acting, were acting then, you're reading the news, you're doing plays, you're doing sport, which is just a wonderful world to infiltrate in itself, you know? Mm. And you came out, and then it's like, do you really, you love me on TV, do you really want, you love me on radio, do you really want to suddenly go, I don't love you anymore? It makes people look in the mirror more. It's like me being on the talent show, really made people go, you're suddenly not going to support him? And I think it's really powerful. I really do. Yeah. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Did you train as an actor? Yeah. And where did you train? Drama studio. Was that three years? No, one, because I was I did university first. And what did you do at uni? Politics. Politics. Yeah, you did it at Exeter, didn't you? Yes, I did. I did it How at did, you did we have that? this conversation? I did it at Sussex. No, have you been googling? I, no, him? I just know. No, no, you I met... just know. I know you did. I wasn't very. It's on your Twitter bio, I didn't isn't know it? That. No, <laughs> I think I Exeter knew it alum. because you've done Question Time and <laughs> yes, stuff. I have. So, oh, yes, I have. That's yeah. Which was yeah. terrifying. Oh, I know. But then I talk about mistakes. Actually, then I realised that. It doesn't matter because I'm not here as a politician. Mm. I'm just here as like the layman. It's the best position because you can it say because wouldn't you? Given the choice, we always talk about it. We'd make the ideal party from all the people yes. we really like from different parties and say, well, this is the perfect time to do it. Let's create our super party, mm. and off they go and rule the world. But mm. question time is very difficult because you get if you Drop were doing um, yeah. I, I mean, you might have a a lot to say on certain things and absolutely nothing to say on something else. And if that topic came up, you oh know... Oh, my God. Syria, I'd have a lot to say it, on HS2. Yeah, I know, but if they suddenly <laughs> asked you about the situation <laughs> in Syria, what yeah. would you say? Yeah, I'd have a lot to say on equal pay as well. But equal pay in HS2, if they went outside, I would have a lot to say on Brexit as well and on my perfect super party. Oh, there but, you go. You know, yeah, but the there's seven. still quite a lot that would come up that I wouldn't be able to... Talk about equal equal pay then. Where are we? Where are we? Interesting. I think it is absolutely essential that the BBC is seen to be the, you know, the standard bearer for the media mm. in getting it right, and we're still a long way off that. There is work to do, and the sadness is, you know, I thought we were all of the generation that got it, mm. and to find out in your late forties that actually for the whole of your life you have been paid significantly less than your male peers because of your gender. It's just really soul-destroying. Mm. Did, did that? Did you have that? Yeah. And so, so that did... amazes me. And so, and so did pretty much every other woman. The one, actually... Do you know Anne Robinson? Have you met Anne Robinson? No. She's really pretty phenomenal, actually. Scary as hell, but an amazing <laughs> woman. I think she's the only woman... Sue Barker might be another in a very different way, but I think Anne Robinson is definitely the only woman who has been paid like a high-paid man. When really? she was at her peak, she would have been one of the top, if not the top paid person at the BBC. But right. it's because they were terrified of her. And I've said this to her. I don't want to have to behave like that no. to get equal treatment. And I'm quite strong on culture. So I, it really upsets me when people get rewarded for bad behaviour. And I look at the list and I think, no, no, no. Uh, no, yes. this is wrong, mm. wrong, wrong. Do you feel that? You don't have to name names or anything, but do you feel that? And it's not just with the BBC, but obviously that was one thing that came out because they have a responsibility to mm. you know, publish those kind mm. of things. Do you feel that there were people that were, shouldn't have been rewarded because of actually just the way they behave as much as... Absolutely. I, I, think, I, think we should do, I think we should do an Uber rating on, on everyone who works on a production. 
Because it's anonymous. anonymous. Exactly, they're anonymous. Because I think what tends to happen is the people who most need the job are least likely to complain. Mm. And they're the ones that the bully, that's the one they'll target. Mm. You need to be talking to makeup artists. You need to be talking to sound engineers. You need to be... If you want a proper picture of how somebody is to work with, you don't just talk to the director and the editor and the producer because no. they can be nice as pie to mm. them. It's, it's so tricky, though, isn't it? It's because the Uber rating thing, you know, like, it would work, but also part of my head just goes, God, that's Black Mirror, isn't it? You know, and, and I know there is no, there's no elegance I'm solution. just amazed that we don't do it by... You know, we, we it's always worked on slight word of mouth and somebody mm. can get a reputation where there are, for whatever, whether it's in film or, to, or television or, or radio, they're a ratings pull mm-hmm. and therefore anything they do is acceptable. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's right. And I would hold people up like Terry Wogan or Alan Titchmarsh, real pros, mm. real, really lovely, fabulous people. And if you'd done Uber ratings with Terry, he'd have got mm. five stars every time mm. from everybody. Nicest and you, person Exactly, to the nicest person. Yeah. And that's... That's the kind of behaviour I think should be rewarded. Yes. You know, I, if those lists come out and, and Terry Wogan's on ten times as much as anyone else, I don't mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if he had been... But do you think you know, that's... But you, I want him to get. I want people to get bonuses for good behaviour. But also, he's and I want a brilliant to, broadcaster. Yes, and, what, oh, and exactly. I think what it shows, you don't have to be aggressive and a bully to be brilliant. There is certainly in acting there was that sort of thing that if the worse you behaved, the more people thought of you as a sort of a diva. Mystery, and, you create mystery. Yeah, around yourself. and mm. and if you were just a jolly good old company member, you know, you weren't really sort of respected as a as a star and therefore rewarded accordingly. And yeah. I think that, that's the same yeah. throughout the industry, isn't it? It's not just in acting. Yeah, because it's such a weird, unquantifiable industry, isn't it? Like, because these talented people are unusual, you know, and then they are come they? with... Do you think talented people are unusual? I do. I don't think any bad behaviour is ever acceptable. But I do think in order to embrace difference different really strange circumstances that someone can grow up in can create quite extraordinary and wonderful people and i think by embracing all that difference sometimes toxic behavior is also embraced you know what i mean so i've been doing my job for 16 years and i watch now a lot more than i used to i've sort of been through my lessons of you know i'll continue having lessons but i can watch a lot more because i had I think a year when I thought I was Madonna, but then I realised I wasn't. But I thought um, you were Madonna too, so that was, <laughs> yeah, I really did. Yeah. Well, I quite like watching now and being like, I do not reward bad behaviour and I do not suffer it. I'm lucky because I'm my own boss in most things. You know, I've got that sort of point, power point in a way. I don't have to operate within it. I'm not very good with authority. Actually, I'm not so I don't know how you guys. Mm. I, mean, I know like, I'm really I bad. With work, I don't know how you work with like the BBC things because, because I don't. I, just, I, I have a thing that I just want to go. Fuck it! Like, yeah. you know, it's like no. Tourette's to I go did. against That's authority. Why I left. Really? <laughs> we no, both have issues with no, authority. I didn't say that. Didn't 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 yeah. no, didn't, uh, actually, on air, but I, I did something just really, really annoyed me, and mm. I just thought, no, really, no, you can't That's it. control me that, that much. I'm off. And you're so much happier, I think. Yes. A, you're happier because the shifts were awful. I mean, I loved awful. my job. Yeah, I the loved t- my shifts job. Were the shifts awful. were awful. What I wasn't were the seeing hours? you. Well, they were all over the place because they never allowed day. you to do a pattern because that was considered bad. So you couldn't do two today programs in a row. Why? No way. I, I have no idea why. Somebody said that, so we couldn't. And mm. um, so you did early day 
day early, late. You know, I and mean, the, the late, shift the late, were all went, over the shop. What time did you get home from the late? One thirty in the morning, something like Two. that? Two. Two Didn't in the finish, morning. didn't get off air till one. Mm. How did you get into it? How did you, because you do, well, the shipping forecast. Um, because. I just love it. How did you get into it? Because I was, was in. Was it through radio? Yeah, so I was in radio, I was doing radio drama, I was on the radio drama company, and I met Peter Donaldson, who's the chief newsreader, and I said, I don't know, we were drunk at a party. In the old days, that's how you got your jobs at the BBC. And and, uh, and he said, oh, you could do some of that shipping, you know. I said, I could do those linky bits in between the programmes. <laughs> and uh, so I went in and did a shipping forecast for him, which was a disaster. I mean, a disaster. I said every single thing wrong. And he sort of went, I think we could probably train you to do it. And But then I didn't realise you had to operate a desk and do all the swirl tapes around and play out plays and things and uh, anyway through gradual I did both for a long time so I was acting and then when I wasn't acting I went and did continuity work at Radio 4. Can you explain for the listeners what the shipping forecast is? Well if they don't know then they're not yes if they're not Radio 4 fans the shipping forecast is a forecast of weather for ships around (laughs) (laughs) around the British Isles and the the shipping forecast areas the the actual shipping forecast lasts exactly three minutes (laughs) the coastal stations is longer (laughs) and then it's broadcast on Radio 4 and it's mental four times a day mental like really interesting names yes dogger dogger what are your favourite Viking, uh, fi- um, North Syria, South Syria, London, Fast, 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 in a certain time, you see. So there is a rhythm to the shipping. Well, mm-hmm. I always thought there was a rhythm to the shipping forecast. Yeah. But if the weather's really, really bad, like it is going to be tonight, oh. really bad storms, sometimes there were a lot of words to fit in. And, um. and you split from FM for three minutes at, at lunchtime at 12 o'clock. And you had to do that shipping forecast in three minutes. And sometimes I really, you know, if it was... Really, gale force 10, right? You know, force 12, and you know, all of Mm. these things. It was hard to fit it all in the Mm. the three minutes. I used to like it when she'd say rising more slowly. Something I wanted to ask you earlier, because it's something I think about a lot, is do you think that there are, talking about, you know, leaving the BBC and stuff, there are things that are right for different times in your life? And I feel like we're not as a nation or people aren't that great at acknowledging that you know so I stopped I started doing music videos as as a director now I've moved into comedy and drama but I I found it really hard for example because I was like but surely I should still be doing that you know but actually I was like that's that was a 20 year old me I don't want to do that anymore and I think that we don't give our lives enough chapters I think that yeah I think that's really well put I think I think um I when I decided to leave and there were circumstances that made me leave but actually they were there were a lot of things that came together at once and one was it was 2012 Claire was having phenomenal success we weren't seeing each other and part, that was largely my fault not hers it was me that was out till two in the morning doing mm. the shipping forecast and, and getting up at three in the morning to do the today program mm. and and that was meaning that we couldn't enjoy 
of quite Claire's a lot of fun success things. together fun because things I couldn't yeah. go because mm. either I had yeah. a late yeah. night or I was getting up at three in the morning so that I couldn't go to the function or the awards mm. ceremony or whatever it was and that seemed a shame and I'd probably had an, but I did think when I left oh golly what have I done <clears throat> and then it's so interesting how new opportunities then come to you and you go oh actually I mean I now have my absolute perfect job with mm. with with Mellow Magic Mm. And it's my perfect job because I do a podcast on on musicals, which was the first thing I was, my first job was in Evita. So, you know, I love musical theatre. Mm. And I go and, and, and do commercial radio and it's part time. And then I do Guardian long read podcasts as well. That's fun, which oh. is what's well, not to like. I go and mm. sit and read out loud. Really and interesting get articles and get for a time for a golf. And time for a golf and time to enjoy <laughs> Claire's wonderful party she gets asked to. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> I get like, to go with her. It sounds like, like oh, okay. So this this is what is coming up for me as I was listening to you is kind of self care and looking at the wider sense of how how am I actually doing in life? Because as as I've got older, it's just like I just want to do more of the things that I like. Exactly. And if I'm with a partner, it's like, well, how are we working together? Because that's yes. mm. that's got to work. You know, and things come up against each other. It's like, well, actually, that I really don't like that. And when when I left a job, I left management, my management actually, the space that came because uh, once something's gone, there's a space for other things to come in. And, and then you wonder how, how you had the time for that. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah. Like looking back on relationships, yeah. I don't know why I was with Connie for listening. I do still love you. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think we both agree, Con. Um, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like. Or why was I in that job? Or, you know, mm. why but I... I think you define yourself. A lot of people define themselves by the job they had. Mm. So that's an issue for a lot of people. So people will say, oh, you, you, I, I used to be a Radio 4 newsreader. Now that has some status, I suppose, yeah. that I, I don't have. I used to be. I'm not a Radio 4 newsreader now. So where does that leave my status? Well, mm. I, I have a peripatetic career and I do this, that and the other. And, I you know, that can be an issue, I think, in terms of status that well, I used to be. Yes. But mm. that doesn't mean that I'm not mm. a whole lot happier. Well, I, exactly. Coming back to your point, them. Chris, I think you're right. I think we try too hard to be defined because we think other people need us to be defined. <laughs> and, I, and I find the problem I get because I, it's quite difficult to define actually what I do because mm. I do lots of work. What lots do you of different do? People. What do I do? I make <laughs> yeah. it up on the telly. Yeah. Talk about sport that I wish I was good at. That's what I do. <laughs> With a lot of passion and enthusiasm. <laughs> but it's, it's weird. You get a reaction. If you don't fit into a pigeonhole for them, mm. for whatever reason, either the job you do or the whatever... You get a funny reaction. Yeah. And I think we've all got to just be brave enough to go, so what? I'm well, doing what I love. I am doing what I love. Totally. I'm happy. I think you're right that people... Everyone likes people to be pigeonholed because then they're easier to manage. So there's that from a wider perspective. People who are seen, if they're performers, broadcasters, writers, whatever, they people like them to be pigeonholed because that's more financially makes more financial sense whoever wants to make the money from them and I think in general we're kind of even from schools persuaded do the thing get the job that's it for the rest mm. of your life mm. but one of the things I love partly for my parents I will say thank you I don't know why I'm swearing uh, holding my hand up and partly because I'm gay is that I've never felt pigeonholed in the first place so I've always felt on the outside of that I don't have to think about 
I, I was the minority. I wasn't kissing girls on the disco dance floor at 16 in the Lambourne Village Hall. I wasn't being channelled towards getting married and having kids. Mm. No, that's one, always, isn't that, that was one big isn't thing. Isn't that the great mm. relief? It's, a, it's amazing. Mm. I think that is, honestly, we should really promote that more. That is one yes. of the major pluses. And I know lots of gay couples do get, obviously get married now, and we're married now, but get married and have kids. I know lots do, but your parents don't pressure you to. Mm. And my God, they don't want to be involved in your wedding. Hurrah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we could do exactly what we wanted to do. <laughs> the first thing, yeah. I want to go back to that. The first thing is they... The first thing lots of parents think of is, oh, God, we're not going to have grandkids, mm. which is just so, like, quite selfish, I think. Quite. Like, very. Yeah. It, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not like, how hard was it maybe for you or how, mm. how are you feeling about it? It's like, what about us and our grandkids? So I just think, in general, as a gay man, I just have never felt that I needed, I was going to fit into a box, so I just do what I like. Mm. It's great. Mm. I, it took me, if you knew that at 16, you were well ahead of the game, because I did not know that at 16 in terms of not being worried about what other people thought. I worried like hell until I was about 25. So and you uh, could think, I don't fit in that box, therefore I better make jolly sure I fit in a box. Yeah. Which I, isn't that box, so I will go and study medicine and be yes, a doctor or whatever yes. it is, because at least that box will be, there'll yeah. be a tick there. Yes, you know what I mean? you could, like so acceptable. That's why I was looking at you like that, because I'm thinking, that's great, the attitude you've got, but you could take it mm. the other way and go, oh. I need to conform in lots of ways because I don't conform in, in, oh, in the way of my sexuality. Yeah. I wasn't, I was terribly scared about, I didn't come out until I was 21, and I was still not comfortable with being gay till I was, to be honest, 30. Once I realised that I was still like had a lot of gay shame, you know, it wasn't yeah. until I got to there it was like, oh, okay, there's a lot of backlog of of not liking being gay from the young age. And it's actually, it's where I think we all have a great role to play in making sure people realise how proud we are and happy. There isn't a gay tennis player, well, actually, more gay sports people in in men. You mean obviously there are plenty of gay female yes, tennis gay players. Yes, gay men. Yes. So why is that? Like, why is why are there some sports that sort of seem to be more acceptable for... Golf as well. Is there a gay golfer? Male? Not lot, out, lot, I don't think. Women. Not out. I, I think actually sport for gay women is an incredibly safe space. And, and there are a lot of gay women who play hockey or football or, or golf or tennis or whatever. And there have been some very visible gay women like Martina and Billie Jean King, etc. I think for men, it is just still that conflict between... The, the, and it's so unfair and it's so unkind and it's so untrue of the masculine alpha male is therefore straight. And to be a leading sportsman, you've got to be yeah. mm. a bear. Well, why, why can't you be gay? Whose problem is it if they're not going to... They don't have to tell people that they're gay publicly. It's completely up to them. But what's holding it back? Is it them thinking they're going to lose some sort of masculinity? Or femininity, femininity and other sports. But if I said to you, all right, you've got a choice. You're a brilliant footballer. And your choice is to be a brilliant footballer who's going to get some abuse from the fans, however, whatever. Or or you tell them you're gay and you're going to get abuse every time you touch the ball, every time you don't, not for how you play football, but because you're gay. I think it's a massive problem with fans. I wish I could pretend that it could be solved tomorrow. I, I think there is way more that can be done to shame those people who behave like that. Well, and... Mm. And absolutely, uh, like peeing in illegal. the pool. The, the, you know, you need the water changing a different colour. It's illegal. Um, yeah. Yes, of course it's illegal. But but tennis, why not someone like tennis or golf? It's like... The fans in tennis aren't like... I think that I 
I have a sense that in tennis, from other people I've spoken to, and I'm not looking for it, this is just my thing, so I promise this is no, that it feels quite a homophobic environment for men. I just, it, it, there's something about it, and I've been around it a, a bit, and I just feel like, hang on, this, this doesn't feel right, because where's the threat coming from? It's not, unless it's coming from sponsors, which I is another say, obvious is like thing. a hero... A hero know, image just, for your branding. Let's say, just I mean, you look at someone like Tom Daly, who I think has handled everything brilliantly yeah, because yeah. he's such a modern media savvy. He can control his own narrative, which I certainly didn't have the luxury of doing. You mm. did to a certain extent, Alice. You did because of the cabaret act and everything. Don't think you did well so much because you had to. And I don't know, Chris, whether you could or Completely felt you could. No, I think <laughs> out of in and out, in no. and out of your control. Someone else will control it. But I think Tom really has being able to tell the story he wanted to tell in the way he's wanted to tell it doesn't mean he doesn't get attacked, he does. But equally, he gets huge bonuses from it. Pampers deal, whoopee. Good on him. Yes. Love that's amazing. Were you good at sports? Not as good as I should be. Why? I don't know. I think, I mean, as good at riding. Or as you wanted to be. (laughs) Yeah, not as good as I wanted to be. Not as good as I pretend I was. (laughs) (laughs) But I went for a tennis lesson the other day because Alice had bought me a tennis lesson for Christmas two years ago. And I hadn't hadn't used it. And this really sweet guy called Toby, who runs the Will to Win just down at the end of our road, he walked past me. He goes, Claire, when are you coming for that tennis lesson then? I said, said, that was two years ago. He goes, I'll give it to you. Don't worry, don't worry. I said, okay, tomorrow. So Monday evening, week just gone, I went for a tennis lesson. He actually got me hitting a topspin forehand. I have never been able to do that properly. And he had me at three heights, take it high, take it low, and, and the half volley. You I were was doing it? All over it, yeah. So then I come back, and Alice came to watch for a bit, which is very sweet, with Archie the dog, to watch the boring bit, unfortunately, when he was just throwing balls at me. But after that, I hit it really well. And before that, I hit it really well. You just didn't see <laughs> just it happening. Not, <laughs> not, not, not when you were watching. I feel but like she you're... beats me at tennis all the time. She's smaller than me and weaker than me and generally <laughs> and, and a bit older than me and frankly I wow, should win at tennis. Can, what's your response to that? <laughs> should we talk golf? <laughs> oh. She's better than me at golf as well. I got sent away from golf lessons because I hit someone in the eye. With my, I didn't check that someone wasn't behind me. Oh. <gasps> I oh almost gosh. got. What age yeah, were you? He was my best friend. <gasps> yeah. Nine. I better watch out. Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done any sport together ever, have we? Well, I loved sport, I you should, you should be a swimmer. Thanks, and I've got I mean, massive that's a, feet. That's but really it's good. your shoulders I'm, I'm shoulders. looking at. You, you are a swimmer's build. Do you think? Yes, you, oh, oh, yes, totally. Yes. No. Oh. oh. Yes, it's way too late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a bottle. It's about to say never. to stuff. Well, not to start swimming. Open no, water. Not to be in the Olympics. I mean, to be Open in the Olympics. Yes. Yes. Oh, like, yes. It's too late. Yeah. What about the gay games? Okay, that yeah. would be cool. Yeah, you would they take some of my. Yeah, age? as long as Ian Thorpe's not swimming in it, you're all shooing. Chris is opening the chocolate. Not very swimmery of me. Not very swimmery. Sploosh. I think having Claire Balding saying you've got swimmer's shoulders, you could be a swimmer. Do you ever have this that where you go. Sorry, I'm just chewing on my chocolate. Well, now I know I'm never going to be an Olympic-level ballerina. Now swimmer, she's told me I could have, and if I'd just been encouraged in the right direction at school, instead of being made to go down the other end of the pool with the kids who couldn't swim, then you could be looking at Michael Phelps. You see, now I go the opposite. I'm like, oh, I could still win the Olympics. A lot of self-belief, but not much um, actual facts go into it. Okay, downing tools immediately. You have to change job 
tomorrow, what would be your top three? Care home uh, for dogs, therapists for teenagers, mm-hmm. um, and teenagers interesting. A gardener. Ah, lovely. <laughs> I'd love to be a gardener. Would you? The big house. Because mm-hmm. then I get all the benefits. I just think it was mine. Yeah. And if the lord and lady came over, but fuck off. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's my rose garden. Mm-hmm. We broke into a private garden once, you and me. Do you remember when we got pulled aside by the groundsman? Where was that? In Oxford. And the guy came up, zooming up in a lorry. Oh, there, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Didn't spot that we'd stolen some azaleas. <laughs> yeah, what would yours be? Um, As I reach for the Mine chocolate. would be someone who just builds houses by hand type thing, as in like carpenter, but building things, aromatherapist. And I'd quite like to be a therapist maybe as well. Well, let us know first of all what you thought of that interview. You can get in touch by tweeting us at Will Young. On Twitter. On Twitter at Will Young. That's it, is it? Yeah, or or get in touch on our Instagram at Homo Sapiens. Rate and review us, and then if we can read out your review in our Homo Sapiens Extra, and you mm-hmm. uh, you run the chance of winning a T-shirt. Should we say something about the T-shirts, though? Well, you told me that the sweatshirts and T-shirts are selling. You say hot, I say cakes. Hot <laughs> cakes, hot <laughs> cakes. They are selling like hot cakes, people. And you've only got, yeah, you've only got three weeks left. So if you want to get one, if you want to be the coolest cat on the block, you've got to go to everpress.com forward slash homo dash sapiens and get yourself a t-shirt. Or a sweatshirt. Or, or a sweatshirt. Next um, week, uh, we're talking about Gay Rodeo. We go all the way to Palm Springs to meet the stars of Gay Rodeo. So we're talking to cowboys, we're talking to Miss Hot Rodeo, who is the rodeo queen. And we talk about dressing goats. We do talk about dressing goats. An incredible story of transformation from Joni, who we interviewed, who came out as transgender and is now the first ever transgender rodeo queen. And we talk about dressing goats. Correct. What's our final song? Do you know what? While we've been recording, there have been so many choices that have come up. Hadaway. I had Hadaway in my head. What is love? Baby, don't homo. Don't homo. No more. What is love? Stop homing me. Baby, don't homo. Stop homing me. No homo. Stop homing me. No more. Whoa, homo. It's a bit high in the key. Homo. Homo. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.